Hello and welcome to the Incremental Gains Podcast. Yeah, that's right, you've not seen me for a while. I've been concentrating on, on other things, other things have took priority over doing this podcast. But it's a labour of love, it's something that I really enjoy doing. So in 2023 I've decided I'm going to be making this a regular thing. I'm bringing the podcast back, whether that's solo podcasts or trying to get guests on. What I wanted to do today was simply go through a few of the things that I learned in 2022. I know what you're thinking, not another review. Well, it's not, I'm not going to go through everything that I did, I achieved, the downfalls of last year. That is for me to review upon. But what I wanted to do was really share a couple of the lessons that I took away from last year that really made a massive difference and hopefully I can continue that momentum and take them into 2023. Why is it important to do a review, you might ask? Well, it's like anything, reviewing the day before you go to sleep of an evening, reviewing the day that you've just that you've just had. What were the good things about it? What were the bad things about it? What could you have done differently? So now it's a chance to take stock over the last 12 months. It's a long time since last January. You may be setting new goals, new targets now that you may either be repeating or that you may have found something that could help you achieve them early last year, but you forgot all about it. You may be in a bad a bad spot at the moment, having a bad time. Sometimes a good way to feel feel gratitude, feel appreciative is to look back through your phone, through the photos in your phone. Stuff that you achieved early last year that you've completely forgot all about. Holidays that you went on, times that you had, experiences that you had. So it's good to review the last 12 months so you can start to put things into place for 2023. Again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you all the, the good, the bad, the ugly about last year. That is for me um, to sit down and work through that as I have done to set new goals. These are some of the things that I found useful and the main lessons that I took away from last year. So number one, we suffer more in our heads than we do in reality. So this is a big one. You've heard me talk about stoicism before. This is a big one. Epictetus famously said that we suffer more in our heads than we do in reality. And it's one thing to know that and it's one thing to actually apply it and understand that that's what's happening. For the first six months last year, literally every week, I would have the same thoughts about a certain scenario that's happening during the week. And by midweek, by the Wednesday, what I thought was going to happen never did. And it just dawned on me after, after really trying to do some deep work on this that the first half of the week for me was basically suffering. I was suffering, putting myself under unneeded, unwanted pressure, unneeded pressure. So I'm really trying to work on me in a monologue that at the beginning of the week, I know this is going to happen, so I'm expecting it. I'm aware that it's going to happen. The negative thoughts that creep in, I'm actively trying to change those negative thoughts and work on strategies and better self-talk, basically. Modern Wisdom, the podcast Modern Wisdom, helped me a lot to, to get my head around this. And on the Modern Wisdom podcast, they talk about suffering, and Naval Ravikant talked about this as well, that suffering is the contracts you make with yourself to be miserable until you get X, Y, or Z, what you want. So suffering is to want something. Once you achieve that or you get something, then according to hedonic adaptation, 
it's not long until the novelty wears off and then you want something else. So then you suffer again. One thing that I've learned from reading and listening to stuff this year is the dopamine response. The dopamine response doesn't work by achieving something. You don't achieve something and they get a dopamine response. The dopamine response happens in the course of striving for something, in the challenge, in the chase. That could be a reason why once you achieve the thing, do the thing, then again, this adaptation, this hedonic adaptation comes around where the novelty wears off you need another dopamine hit, so you need something else to chase. It kind of made sense to me. And that came to the other side of, of this suffering, suffering more in our heads than we do in reality. And I'll be honest with you, I still, a great term called ambient anxiety. I still experience ambient anxiety. A little drip, a little drip feed of anxiety throughout the week about coaching classes, about whether I'm gonna fuck it up, whether I'm gonna get things wrong, whether I'm gonna look stupid. You could call that imposter syndrome. Yet, I've been doing the same thing for the last five years, coaching jujitsu for the last five years. So at what point does it stop becoming imposter syndrome and it becomes more mental? It becomes a limiting belief. Now that limiting belief is something that I've tried to work on this last year. It's not imposter syndrome if you've gathered enough, enough evidence to support the fact that you can do the thing that you think you're an imposter about. Chris Williamson of the Modern Wisdom podcast calls it imposter adaptation. Again, he admits that it's a bit of a bro science, but yeah, it's something I've thought about and it's a limiting belief and I've tried to work on that this year. Point number two, it's something that I read a while ago and it's only just come to really, really, I can put the lessons into place now and it comes from a book by Austin Cleon and he has a phrase in this book that really resonated with me and like I said, it's only now I've come to really start to apply it. So self-employed, if you live below your means, you'll have a happy life. If you're self-employed and you live above your means, you're going to have a miserable life. Such a simple turn of phrase. And it really, when you delve into it and you meditate on it and you journal on it, which I have, it comes back down to, are you happy with what you've got? How much is enough? How much money is enough? How many material possessions are enough? We've all heard the expression, um, if you're doing what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. An even better expression is the one by the, the Apple CEO, I can't remember his name at this point, not Steve Jobs, the, the, the current Apple CEO. And he says, you will work harder than you have ever, you will work harder than you have ever worked in your life, yet the tools will feel light in your hands. I believe that. You will still work really hard. I've never worked as hard over the last 
two, three years. That's the hardest I've worked in all my life. But yeah, the tools feel light. I love that. So sticking with the self-employed idea, I had something holding me back from jumping off and going all in with jujitsu. I was holding something back and I don't know why again, limiting belief. And Paul Mott really summed this up when I used to um, have him as, as my coach. And he told me once, you're playing to not lose as opposed to playing to win. My mindset was scarcity mindset, not an abundance mindset. So I'd always be thinking about if I lost members, if I lost people from the club, that's why I couldn't jump all in full-time self-employed. I didn't have an abundance mindset of I can always get more members. That's the difference. I think in the last two or three months, that has been the difference, which led me to have more self-belief and jump off and go full-time self-employed. So the next thing that I learned over the last 12 months is ask who, not how. So I'm guilty of very much so trying to do everything myself. Do my own workout programs in the gym, do my own finances, do my own social media, do my own YouTube, everything. I try and do it myself. It's not that I'm a control freak. I just like being involved in everything. But at some point you become unstuck. You can only do so much yourself. There are people out there who are better, more knowledgeable than you. And one thing I've never done is hired a PT to take charge, take control of my own personal physical health. And that's what I did in 2022. I paid for a PT. And now I work under a PT, Mark Rhodes, of the Hard to Kill program. Ask who, not how. And part of that is the reasons why I started working with him was I was getting burnt out. I didn't know what the best thing to do in terms of gym work was for the best to complement jiu-jitsu and grappling. And I didn't know how to do it myself. So ask who, not how. And the last thing that I've really tried to work on over the last 12 months. And this links into journaling and reviewing the last year. Don't be so hard on yourself. I have very high standards for myself personally. High standards in health and well-being, high standards in running a club, high standards for incremental gains. Last year I went up to six months without drinking alcohol for no other reason than just to see if I could. And at the time our lifestyle wasn't conducive to, to drinking. We had stuff happening personally that was better served by not consuming alcohol. And when I was speaking to Laura about it the other day, after that six months, I had a drink, bottle of beer or whatever, and I kind of felt a little bit, ooh, I've kind of spoiled the last six months. But it was one beer. I haven't got a problem with alcohol. There was no real need for me to not drink just did it for the for the health benefits and I did feel good off it but I was quite hard on myself for 
for that after that six months having a drink. And I think we can all be guilty of being hard on ourselves. I think when you look back and you appreciate what you've got, what you've achieved, I think we can afford to be a little bit, little bit less harsh on ourselves. The self-talk. You probably wouldn't talk to your mates the way you talk to yourself. So why do you? Those are the few things that I've really took away from last year. And again, a lot of it's probably mindset. And that is one of the big, I think that is what separates good from great. In sports, it's the 1%, isn't it? The mindset involved in it. So why not just in life, those one percenters? Listening to um, the High Performance podcast during the end of last year and an amazing episode with the head coach of Wigan Warriors at the time. And he talked about the one percenters, Sean O'Loughlin, in his opinion, was one of the best, the best captains, the best players ever played, he's ever played and managed because he did these one percenters, the things that people don't really notice, that people don't really appreciate. You wouldn't see them unless you knew what you were looking for. And he was doing these one percent, these things that made all the differences. They were called one percenters. And I think that's all I've got for today. Just wanted to share some of the main, the main points that I've kind of got from last year and that I've been, been working on. Speak to you soon. Take care.